Hey you, welcome to the Real Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Abigail Drayback. This podcast is all about being ridiculous, relatable, and real. May this serve as a place where we as women can laugh together, cry together, and as I like to say, call one another up. So I invite you on this complicated and messy journey to discover what it looks like to be real with each other, and most importantly, ourselves. So let's do it, girl. Let's get real. Hey, everybody. So we're just going to get right into it today, okay? We're going to be talking about a lot of weird topics today, kind of random, such as vultures, closure and grief, social distancing, or lack thereof, and more. But primarily, we'll be focusing on closure and grief. The reason why I wanted to talk about closure and grief today is because, let's face it, We all are going through some things right now, and I believe that all of us are experiencing the need for closure or some type of grief in this time. So later on the podcast, we'll dive a bit more into that as grief and closure looks drastically different for each one of us. So today, I wanted to start off the podcast with some interesting stories. As usual, you will probably always get an interesting story. So not too long ago, a couple days ago, I decided that I was sick of being inside and I really should probably exercise my body. So I went for a run. It was sunny and beautiful. Unlike today, it is snowy. (laughs) Um, If you live uh, in Wisconsin, like most, uh, there is snow everywhere. But anyway, so it was sunny. It was great. I was going for a run and all of a sudden I see my neighbor and, you know, kindly wave, whatever, keep running. And I noticed this lady start charging across the road. And immediately I'm like, all right, she'll just like stand six feet apart. We'll be good. We'll be good. No, immediately this lady almost like side tackles me with a hug. Uh, I was very nervous because, you know, there is a thing like called social distancing. And this lady is easily in her 70s. And I was just more concerned about her than me. But she like had no fear. So I was like, all right, I'll embrace it. Um, Also, I was pretty sweaty and gross, so it was an interesting combo deal for her. I feel like she got the short end of the stick there. So anyway, this lady I haven't seen in years, and uh, she strikes up a conversation with me after the side tug attack, and we, like, begin to have this, like, half an hour conversation about where we're at in our lives. The last time she saw me... I was probably in second or third grade, and mind you, I was a pretty rough young girl. I was very much a tomboy. I would wrestle with the best of the guys and sadly take most of them down, and that is the memory she has of me. So, anyway, we laugh about it. Um, We mention how God still made me strong now, but uh, in a different way, (laughs) and maybe not as abrasive as I once was. Um, anyway, this woman, she's in her seventies and she recently in the last couple years lost her husband. And I was asking her how she was processing that as losing somebody like that is not easy at all. And, um, especially somebody she shared most of her life with this woman and her husband, they have, um, kids together. They've done so much life together. They've traveled together. Um, they found their faith together. It was amazing to hear her story. So I asked her, like, how are you handling that grief? And then also, how are you leaning in, um, to God in this time? And how do you lead others? 
So for those of you who have a faith or not, um, I'll probably be talking a little bit about faith during this uh, segment, but please hold on because not all of it's going to be faith-based, but I believe that a lot of it is still applicable. So this lady talks about how uh, even though she was very, like, obviously like most, when we lose somebody we love, we're very distraught and there's many layers of grief. But she said she recognized this time of her husband's passing as what she called an epoch. Now, if any of you know what an epoch is, five brownie points, because like I've never heard of what an epoch is. I was thinking of like a a rapper, which I don't even know what the rapper's name was. Like, you know what rapper I'm talking about. It's like epoch or maybe he is even called epoch. But that's what I was thinking of. So when she said epoch, I was like, what is an epoch? I don't listen to rap. I knew she wasn't talking about rap, but that was what came to mind. So, for those of you who don't know what an epoch is, let me enlighten you. An epoch is a period of time in history or a person's life, typically that's marked by a notable event or particular characteristics. So again, let that sink in. Um, so it's a, no- it's a notable time, usually with events, different things going on. So, now that you know what an epoch is, guess what? Girlfriends, guys, if you're out there and listening, y'all are in an epoch right now, okay? Pretty sure the last time I checked the history books, none of you have walked through a pandemic yet. If you did, you're basically a vampire and you were already immortal and eternal because all of y'all would have been dead by now. So, you all are in an epoch right now. But maybe for some of you, you may listen to that uh, description of an epoch and realize, wait a second, I think I've already been in an epoch before. I think I've already had a significant life event or notable uh, time period or things, a time of just drastic changes. Well, like this um, neighbor lady of mine, she said she had four notable epochs in her life, her husband passing being one. And she was very clear on explaining that it's not about the fact that an epoch happened that made her even more upset, even more grievous. She said, instead of looking at the epoch as an enemy, she looked at it as a gift. What? She looked at her husband's death as a gift? No, she wasn't happy about her husband passing. But she looked at the time of her grieving as a gift because she had two choices. She had a choice to allow this epoch to basically ruin the rest of her life, to alter it in negative ways, or to amplify her life in positive ways. And as this woman is explaining how she allows these epochs to be moments of triumph, even when she's on her hands and knees crying or processing all these different things, she looks at these things as opportunities, these times of horrific change. And sometimes it's not even horrific. Maybe you're a new mom. That's an epoch. You just popped a person out or you adopted them or you got them somewhere else. Either way, they're your kid and no kids to a kid. Huge change. Okay. It's a huge change. So people who minimize that, Oh my goodness, I, like, don't listen to them because it's a huge deal. Or maybe, oh, or maybe you just graduated 
or maybe or you're about to and you're like what the heck I don't even have a graduation ceremony because of corona you know like how am I supposed to like emotionally process all this stuff and be sentimental like everybody else in the past has been you're in an epoch uh or maybe you did lose a loved one and you don't know what you're going to do without that person or maybe you lost your job or maybe you started a new job or maybe you just got like the lottery jackpot and you got a lot of these things rolled into one small time period oof you're in an epoch so the story of this lady is she made a choice on choosing to allow this epoch to elevate her instead of demote her in life. Instead of allowing this thing to devastate her and allow her to crumble up, she allowed this thing to build her. And she honestly amazes me. See, this lady standing in front of me as I'm sweaty and gross and whatever has such joy has such strength and such wisdom as she's sharing about the years because she allowed her epochs to elevate her. She's a true OG real woman, okay? I am madly impressed by her and madly encouraged by her. Um, and so after talking to her, I continued on my run and as I'm running, I'm still trying to figure out like, what did she mean by an epoch? And like, I should probably Google that later. Like I got the gist, but I wanted the definition for sure. And as I'm running, I I go to this place where my family, you know, uh, has lots of memories and I'm, you know, getting sentimental as I'm walking on this property. And all of a sudden, this is the funny story of the day, as I'm emotionally digesting what an epoch is and what my epochs in life have been, I noticed there's like these two huge birds and I was like, interesting. Like I've seen coyotes, bears, you know, living in the North, Northwest, whatever. Like you just, you get used to wildlife and like birds. I'm like, you know, they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, they're just birds, you know, like obviously all birds are scared of like animals bigger than them. Right. Yeah. No, you see, I've never seen vultures and I'm not quite sure if these were vultures, but I think they were like, they look a lot like vultures. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's just like a bigger chicken, you know? Uh, no, they're a lot bigger than a chicken and their wingspan is huge. Like I would say probably the height of me, I'm like five, 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 four. It depends. Um, and these birds were huge. So I'm just minding my own business walking. And all of a sudden I noticed that these birds start flying off. I'm like, all right, they're just, you know, migrating, whatever. And they are starting to circle. You know, like, you know what birds do when there's, like, something dead? And I was like, that's weird. Maybe something's, like, you know, dead, whatever. And as they're circling, I realize that they're getting oddly closer to me, okay? Like, oddly. And then I realize, oh, no. They're circling over me. And then I realize, holy crap, I'm the frickin' prey, okay? So I'm like, alright, this is getting a little weird, a little weirder. And then they go for it. Then they go for the kill and they start swooping and trust me, if I wasn't already worked up from that run, I was getting a good run in then because I booked it for cover. I hid underneath a tree. Like I tried to dodge those vultures so bad. I will never be afraid of a coyote as much as I am of a vulture. 
Holy Toledo. Thankfully, my dad picked me up and saved me, but holy crap, I was not expecting these vultures to come and swoop and try to kill me. So that was just like a great adventure, you know, just like enjoying nature like I like to do and nature just like, ooh, gets ya. So thankfully, you know, I still have my eyes, like they were going, they got like talons or long, long, long claws, y'all, like Google it, it's scary. Um, you think this is made up, but like, dude, it happened. It happened. It was scary. And like, I can laugh about it now, but in the moment, like, you, you don't want like what you imagine, like, could be ideal rotisserie chicken, almost looking birds going in for you. You'll just never look at a rotisserie chicken the same. Anyway, this was fitting. This was really fitting because right before that, we're talking about death and epochs with my neighbor. And then all of a sudden, these birds somewhat highlight the death in my life. See, birds, they, like I said, they typically circle over things that are already dead. What I did not, or circling over things that are dying, what I did not realize is metaphorically, these birds knew there was something that was dying in me. There were some things that were dead inside of me. Holy crap. Sadly, it took, you know, birds almost trying to kill me, like, and just getting the job done. But holy crap, how much nature can be in tuned with where we are actually at in life. Today's topic is closure and grief. For those who don't know, I am a psychology student, so in a lot of these podcasts, you'll be getting a lot of fun theories and perspectives um, from psychology. In psychology, they teach me that every human being, quote-unquote, needs three things. These three things are need for closure, need for accuracy, and the need for acceptance of beliefs, which basically means confirmation that others believe what you believe too. I'll probably touch a little bit on each of these things, but the main thing I'm going to be talking about is closure. I'm going to be really honest with you all. I said that those birds were circling me because they knew something was dead or dying in me. I believe that both of those statements are true. Um, this last year of my life uh, has been one of the hardest because there's been a lot of different events. So I would definitely categorize this last year of my life to be an epoch. Friends, I did not handle this epoch healthy all the time. In fact, I would say a solid 80% of the time, I did not handle it well at all. Um, I <laughs> got a lot of clarity on all the shortcomings that I had in life, uh, through jobs, through relationships. I had a lot of dreams die, um, dream future, what I thought were future callings and uh, careers and all this different stuff. Um, I had an end to, and I just, I didn't understand why God was telling me no on these things, especially when they seem so good. I had uh, 
to let go of friendships um, for a certain amount of time. I had a loss of what I thought would be a relationship. And I had a death of who I thought it was. Alongside with that, I had a lot of freaky health scares. Um, So this last year was definitely a freaking epoch. And it sucked. And now we're in COVID-19. So it it was a fitting year. I'm glad, you know, COVID came at the perfect time. You know, let's just end with a cherry. So, wow. How many of you would say you're in an epoch right now? Even if you're at home or on a walk? Like, mental note, raise your hand or do it physically. Yeah, proclaim, I'm in an epoch right now. There's significant change going on, okay? Isn't that frustrating? Because when we're in epochs, it often means we're in ambiguity. I'm going to say that again. When you're in an epoch, Oftentimes, that means you're in a season of ambiguity, uncertainty, unknown, unanswered questions, unanswered callings. It sucks. I don't know about you, but I'm a person who likes to have closure. So I definitely fit that part of uh, the three needs. Uh, sometimes I can handle things without closure, um, but big events or big decisions I don't like not having the answers to. I don't like ambiguity because it makes me feel uncomfortable uh, because it forces me to have to really look at what's going on in the inside of me. And in this time of COVID-19, there's a lot of us facing ambiguity. There's a lot of us who don't know how we're even going to get through this, how we're going to get through these relationships within our homes or outside of our homes. What is our careers going to look like? And most of all, what what do we really know about ourselves? What do we look like? And that's freaky because no one really wants to go to those dark places because unfortunately, unfortunately, the world has slowed down enough where finally the world can start taking looks at themselves. Meaning you can start taking looks at yourselves. Meaning I can start taking a look at myself. Meaning that together we can start looking at each other and calling each other up. The other day, um, I was having a terrible day in this epoch. I called my mom. I said, Mom, I need to go on a walk with you. And I, as Brene Brown says, am in a shame storm. Because you see, a shame storm is basically when you're in the thick of all these lies, all these doubts, all these insecurities, all these things building up. And sometimes it can be triggered by the littlest things. And I was just talking to a friend and it got triggered. Um, and you see, the shame storm was all about my worth. You see, with the loss of those friendships, relationships, whatever, that that dream or calling or vision, and another thing came up in my life where I was like, what is wrong with me, mom? Like, why are none of these things working out? Why am I not worthy of having these things together? Why would people hurt me? Why would I hurt others? 
why would callings or whatever not make sense? And my mom was so gracious and held space with me in all of that. And I got through the shame storm on the other side stronger. But man, it was ugly because my mom likes to say, you have a choice. You can straddle the black hole or you can go in. And sometimes I would rather straddle that black hole of shame more than I would like to go in. Because going in means, like today, sobbing for hours. Crying is how I process a lot of things. Also, getting angry. I know that things inside of me are stirring when I get angry. I'm not a typical angry person. And so when I know there's something under that, like under the surface, I know God is stirring something in me. I know that there is death to pride going on right now. I know that there is death to control. I know that there is death uh, uh, to a lot of sins in my life. And I know that there's deaths to come. Deaths to self-righteousness. Deaths to sinfulness. uh, Deaths to idolatry. I mean, some have died and I know there's more to come. You see, your girlfriend here does not have it together. She is just as human as any other buddy else. But let's face it, I really love to control. And I really love to be misindependent. And I'm really good at it, which is really bad. I can act like I have my stuff together. I can seem perfect to the outside community. Meaning to or not, I usually always try to have a positive attitude. But sometimes that comes off as fake. And that's another reason why I want to do this podcast is to reaffirm to any women who feel like they always have to have their stuff together that it's okay not to. It's okay to be honest that you're not okay. It's okay to be honest that you're in a shame storm. It's okay to be honest that you're in an epoch. It's okay to be honest that you're angry. You see, in the midst of this last epoch of a year, I have been angry. I have been mad. Well, same thing. I have been mean. I have been selfish. I have been anxious. I have been depressed. I have had times of joy, times of uh, sadness, and everything else you can imagine. I don't regret any of that. I don't regret any of that because I had to walk through all those different things in order to even get to that hole. And now I am on the edge of that black hole, ladies, on the edge of this epoch. And I know God is just asking me to jump in because I know he has deliverance in a lot of areas. And it's fitting because today is Easter. Today is a day where God conquered the grave, where he rose, where we can sing and praise him that he took care of everything, all of our sins, all of our doubts, all of our insecurities, all of our shame. How fitting is that? How fitting that COVID-19 came at this time, this day and age, and how I'm talking about this today. You see, for me, even though I have faith, does not mean I don't have feeling. Feelings do fade. So when we're happy, that eventually goes. When we're sad, that eventually goes. When we're numb, eventually we feel. Everything comes and goes. But the one thing that God has just been speaking to me about is that 
grief is not something that I have to hold on to and I have to allow to become my identity. Um, and this is where I'm going to end this first part of the podcast because in the next point, I, in the next part of this podcast, I'm going to be talking about what grief is, what it affects, um, and more about the need for closure from a psychological standpoint and how it affects different people and how do they cope with it. Uh, maybe I'll share a little bit about how I am or the lack thereof coping with mine, uh, my grief. Um, but for me personally, it's not been pretty and it's quite ugly. And I believe in Jesus and I believe that he did take that from me. And I believe that I don't have to stand in that any longer. That grief doesn't have to be something that holds me back. Um, but that doesn't mean that I still don't have to walk through that. Um, but I promise you there's freedom. I promise you that there's an end to that epoch of grief. And there's an end to this time that you're feeling right now. So in the next part, we're going to dive into uh, grief and the need for closure. So what is grief? Huh, that is a good question. Grief is deep sorrow, especially that comes from somebody's death or an end to something. Grief affects a lot of different things. It affects our limbic system, which is our nerve networks. It affects our prefrontal cortex, which allows us to think and process. It throws off how we regulate our hormones. It throws off how we regulate our emotions, our concentration levels, our memory function, and so much more. Grief throws everything in our lives out of balance. And sometimes I think we minimize grief, unfortunately, and do not give it enough props for how big it is and how much it affects us. You see, grief can be the end of a relationship. It can be the end of somebody's life that you truly love. It can be the end of, uh, you know, who you thought you were, you know, uh, it could be any sorts of things, you have all felt grief and you know it. So the need for closure. I talked earlier in my first part of this podcast that each of us have a need for closure. Uh, Some avoid it, like the plague, at all costs because they don't want to actually feel rejected or shameful or lonely. None of us want to feel vulnerable and put ourselves out there and be rejected. Um... So oftentimes if you, you know, for those ladies who are single and you're like, oh my gosh, why won't that guy just ask me out? I don't know why I used that sound. That's how I use to describe myself sometimes. I'm sorry. Did not mean to make that sound annoying. But anyway, oftentimes it's because guys are afraid of being rejected. They're afraid of being vulnerable. Um, and, or, and sometimes they don't like closure. Sometimes it's, it's, better to thrive in that ambiguity because they know that somehow that's where they're going to always be comfortable. Um, For some of us, each person's need for closure is different and it has different levels and scales. So some people who often prefer predictability in order, specifically like in how they think or do things, um, 
uh, tend to, let's face it, struggle with uh, ambiguity because they are unable to find answers in ambiguity. So a lot of like your type A kind of people, they really want answers. They really want to fix it. They really want to do da 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 da. They really struggle in ambiguity often. Other people who are more creative or comfortable or just kind of go with the flow tend to cope with ambiguity a little bit better. Um, and they come to a little bit closer sometimes of achieving closure. Not because they necessarily get answers, but they themselves have closure with a lack of closure. But then again, it's different for each of us. Sometimes I thrive at living in ambiguity on certain areas of my life or subjects than I do in others. It's just different all the time. Uh, things that affect our ability or process of closure is differences like uh, religion, if we struggle with anxiety of depression, our values, our home life, etc. All these things are huge factors in how we process the need for closure. Um, so with that said, how are you processing with this time? Because a lot of us want closure on COVID-19. When is it going to end? Will I get to go to my wedding? Will I get to go on that summer vacation? Will I get my jog back? How are you processing with that? And I truly encourage you right now to think about how are you handling that process and identify, am I a person who is in high need of closure or am I a person who's not? And then in that, ask yourself, do I struggle with ambiguity more or do I struggle with ambiguity less because I'm okay with not having answers or maybe you're like, nope, I'm definitely type A. I need to have all the answers now. Um, those are things to be processing right now because you will be surprised on how much if you were that type A person or that more loosey-goosey person, how much your response to ambiguity or and lack thereof of closure will bleed and affect your relationships, will affect your life, will affect other people's lives. So just take a moment and like think about that a little bit and think about how your responses for a lack of closure are affecting other people. Um, so with that said, I, I want to bring up a quote from the movie, I Still Believe. See, this quote comes from a father who's talking to the main character who's playing Jeremy Camp. And the father says, son, my life is not full despite of the disappointments. It's full because of them. Oh my word. Isn't that amazing? And then I want to bring up another quote from another movie, because why not, called The Shack. And it's um, from one of the main characters who is playing God and says, when all you see is your pain, you lose sight of me. Okay, so let's go back to that first quote about how my life is not full despite of disappointments. It's full because of them. I do not want to minimize whatever you're feeling, whatever you're processing, and whatever epoch you are in right now. All of what you're feeling is valid. All of what you're going through is valid and it's real. It is hard. And man, 
It's tough, isn't it? I feel for you. I feel you. And so I just wanted you to hear somebody say that, hey, I see you. I hear you. And I I know this is tough. I promise you that we're going to get through it together. Whether you're a struggling student, whether you're a mom, whether you're trying to start a new business, whether you're trying to lose weight, whether you're trying to gain weight, get them gains, or whether you were just trying to get through your day by taking a shower. And girl, that's the biggest triumph. Heck yeah, you took a shower today. Huzzah! Most days, I mean, okay, I shower, but I'm just saying, especially in quarantine, my like not washing hair days has grown exponentially, which is concerning because it was already pretty exponential at a solid max seven days of not washing my hair in college. I know it's pretty gross, but dry shampoo and also it's good for you. Um, I'm just saying sometimes the biggest triumphs in life are when we just get up, shower, put on our pants, whatever, whatever you're going through. It's not easy, especially when you don't know how to touch it, feel it. And you don't know exactly what it is. Like I was saying, there's things in me that are stirring. There's deaths that are happening. On top of the deaths that have already happened in this past year for me, I know there's more to come. But I found this quote so interesting because I, in this last year of my epoch, I was looking at my life as, yep, it's full, like, in spite of all these, like, you know, not great things. But how I can look and how I'm going to choose to look at it now is my life is full, not in spite or despite these things, but because of them. I am thankful for these deaths in my life. I'm thankful for some deaths of dreams of that were almost idol-like. I'm thankful for these deaths of relationships because it's taught me how... Uh, to love others and to and how I deserve to be loved. I am thankful for this. I'm thankful for health scares. Um, as tragic as it is, like I am so so thankful. Um, and the other quote is, "When all you see is your pain, you lose sight of me." I also have failed at this because in this last year, all I've been thinking about is Abigail. It's my pain. It's my process. It's my whatever. I'm pissed, God. Like, I should have warned you that I was going to, like, kind of swear. But, you know, well, too late. It happened. But, you know, like, I'm angry that I lost these things. I'm angry that I'm in the place I am in. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. What is going on? This is not how my story was supposed to work out. And all of that time, I was focusing on me. All that time during my health scare, I'll share a little bit about it, but uh, over winter, I had a lot of stomach pain and it was scary because I had no idea what it was. And for a good month, I was in and out of the hospital with different tests and I've heard, I heard all different news from it's your appendix to you might not be able to have children. And I was in an immense amount of pain where I'd wake up in the middle of the night sobbing my eyes out. Just crying out, God, what is happening? And why is it happening? And 
don't get me wrong, there's still moments where they're in my life where I still cry out that same way to God. But I was mainly thinking about me. I wasn't thinking that, God, you would get me through this or, God, that you were good all the time. I was thinking, like, God, I'm pissed. <laughs> God, I, I can't. I'm sick of feeling pain. I'm sick of feeling pain physically and mentally and emotionally. Why is this happening? It took a while to get into a place where I could praise God for these things. And even now, I'm heavily convicted by these two quotes and just other things God is working in my life, that in the midst of this continuing epoch, that I can praise God. Or if you don't have a belief in God, you can be thankful. You can be thankful that there's these deaths in your life because death only means that there's going to be life somewhere else. You see, right now, you may feel like you are... A plate of glass and you have just been shattered in the midst of COVID-19. That you have all these shards and all these different pieces and you just don't know how to pick that up. And maybe you feel like a lot of areas in your life are that way and they've been like that for a while. For me, I know that's the case. But somehow in the midst of that shattering, even though as painful and as like sad and tragic as it seems, I know that at least in my personal belief, that God is picking each shard of glass to make a mosaic, to make something beautiful that's going to be rich and that's going to have life and it's going to have color. Whatever that is, whatever you believe in, I encourage you to press into that. For me, it is God, and I do believe that on the other side of this epoch, we will see way more beautiful um, mosaics. Um that was a very weird side tangent. Anyway, this is getting so long. What I'm trying to say is that we all have a need for closure and we all won't be able to get that. In fact, most of our lives won't be a need for, we won't get closure. I don't have closure on some of those uh, friendships, relationships, whatever. I don't have closure on my health scare I don't have closure on um, with my earthly father who passed away many years ago um, in our relationship. I don't have closure on a lot of different things. But like that lady, like that neighbor in the midst of this epoch, which maybe is not always a season, but maybe an epoch is actually just our life. I don't know. Maybe I'll let you determine that. But I want to be somebody who can stand in that and say, even though I'm not okay, even though I'm angry, even though I'm wrestling with stuff, even though I don't have it together, even though I'm all, a wha all out of whack, you know, like my, my health is out of whack, my diet, my um, relationships, my friends, my careers, everything is just not hunky-dory. I want to be that person who says, but, oh, I'm so thankful. Even though I can't see this even though I don't understand it, I believe that this is for my good. I believe that my choice to choose good, positiveness, to choose how I'm going to let this elevate me is good. Even though I don't know. Even though I don't know where some of those friendships or relationships are. 
even though I don't know if, ah, uh, you know, what is going on with these stomach pains. It could be that I could have kids, uh, and I'm perfectly healthy and fine, and it's something else, or it could be I may never be able to bear my own kids. Um, those are things that I have to wrestle with. And those are things that are definitely, uh, could be used by, I believe, the enemy, Satan, or by other people, critics in our lives, family, community members, to point out how we're not good enough, or worthy enough, or smart enough, or capable enough, to point out that we can't do this. Brene Brown always quotes uh, Theodore Roosevelt, and he says that it's not the critic who counts, but it's the man in the arena. Ladies, men, if you're listening, this podcast is about being that person in the arena. This is me being open and real and transparent in the midst of my vulnerableness, of my not okayness, to admit before you that I'm in the mess of life. Now, there's a lot of other things going on in my life that, you know, I'm not going to share with you at the moment, but that are deep and dark and God is processing that. But I want to show you that you can get in the arena too. That you, even though you have people who are championing you on or not championing you on, even if you don't even believe that you yourself can fight, I want to show you that you are so capable. You are. And that if you've never heard anybody ever tell you before that you're capable, you are. And that if you're worthy, honey, Sir, you are, you are way more capable than you will ever believe. But the thing is, is that it doesn't matter who tells you that you have to do it. So you know it, not even if you believe it, but you know it. I don't believe it most of the time. I don't believe that I'm capable enough most of the time, but I make sure that I put myself in life situations where I know it. So with me battling my need for closure and not getting it and the grief of leaving college early for COVID-19 and these relationships and these careers and possible not having children or whatever it may be I'm getting in that arena I'm allowing God to elevate me I'm calling myself up because I am enough because I'm capable. Because man, even though life, this freaking epoch just sucked me right in the face. Um, and I may be on the ground and you may all be watching. Wondering when I'm going to get up. I promise you I am. And I promise you, you will too. And the fact is, it's not how long it takes you to get up. It's just the fact that you get up. Okay? Whatever situation it is in your life, get up. You can do this. You got this. It is so important to know that the only person who can fight in that arena is you. It's only you. It's only you who can go and face your own insecurities. It's only you who can handle those doubts. Now, I believe also it's God, but for those who don't have a faith, it is you. I do believe, though, that everybody needs a team. See, if you ever watched wrestling or UFC, I don't really watch it that much, but my uh, brother used to watch it some. 
And there's always these guys in the corner with like water bottles and towels. Like, you know, let me wick that moist sweat off your face. I don't know. Ew, I just use moist. Gross. Um, anyway, let me hydrate you. Whatever. And then there's always a coach who's like, man, you can hit him this way or do this tackle. I don't know. Um, there's always people in your corner. And I encourage you in this moment, as all of us are in the epoch right now, find two people who can be in your corner, okay? Because it makes a difference. Because, you know, ride or die alone, you can't. We're not meant to be alone. But as we're fighting our own battles, we can trust that there's going to be some people encouraging us. Some people helping equip us. So that way we can do what we need to do alone in the darkest of <laughs> holes of shame storms. People who can call us up and call us out and saying, you got this. You're going to get through this. You are a good mom. You are killing it at that job. Despite what other people say, uh, you're, you're killing it as a wife, as a brother, a sister, a mother, a daughter. You are beautiful. You are smart. You are creative. You're talented. You're more than your job. You're more than your mo- you're more than your roles at home. You need some people to tell you that. I know I have some people and I'm very grateful because they're the reason why I know that even when most of the people outside of that arena are saying you don't got this, I know that I have some people who believe in me. So, this has been a really long podcast and really lots of side tangents. And I'm not even sure if any of this was encouraging. It probably doesn't sound like that encouraging at all. You're probably like, okay, Abigail, you talked a lot about what grief is. Well, and how we all need a closure. You didn't really tell us how to do that. No, I didn't really tell you how to process any of that. Um, and it went on a lot of side tangents. But... I want to encourage you to figure out what does that look like to process grief and uh, to determine what a lack of when we need closure, how to handle that lack of closure because it looks different for everybody. I just bring this up to identify this to you because these are things that are often happening but not spoken of. And this is not a very light and cheery podcast. I don't have as much funny stories or stuff like that. But this is just something that has really been brought up in a lot of different places. And I just believe this is something that needs to be talked about. Please don't be like me and wait for vultures to literally circle you to realize that, holy crap, I'm dead. Or I have dead things inside of me or things that are about to die. Don't wait for that point because trust me, it's not fun. Okay, it's a great way to get in shape, but it's not fun. Okay, so this is why this is my loving reminder to you that check yourself before you walk outside, (laughs) you know, like whether that's not just like physically walk outside, but that too, but walk into that, that job, that relationship, whatever, into these next few moments, getting out of the car, check yourself. And ask God or, or visit your journal or however you process and unpack. How do I handle a lack of closure? And how am I going to allow this epoch to shape me? Am I going to allow the grief in my life to like add to me or take away? Because we're all experiencing some grief because there's a lot of change. Grief can be change. 
So again, are you somebody who handles ambiguity well or not well? Think about that and then think about, ask yourself a question. Am I going to allow this epoch to elevate me or to submit me to live subpar standards of sadness, of grief, of depression, and of a less worthy calling that is on my life? Just think about that. What are you willing to sacrifice? Because I promise you that elevation in the epoch comes with pain. And pain's good. I promise you it's good. Even though it sucks. Even though it's not fun. I promise you that pain is good. So lean into that pain during this time. It's something I'm trying to do. And trust me, it's not enjoyable. As you can tell by the tone of my voice, I'm not really enjoying this painful process of things dying. But I know it's for good. And honestly, even though I feel, you know, emotional and whatever, I've not felt this free in a long time. So, you know, girlfriend, you got this. You got this. Until next time. See y'all later. 